Good evening. My name is Mary and I'm an alcoholic. Mary. Oh, I'm grateful to be here this evening. I want to, uh, hi. Um, I want to welcome our newcomer, Kai. And I want to congratulate my friend, Anna, with six months. It's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. And I want to thank my friend, Christina, for being my 10 minute. Um, I love you, Christina. And um, I'm grateful to be here tonight. I, uh, I got a chance to do dinner with my friend Steve and Christina before the meeting. And, um, and it's good to see my friend Lauren here. It's been a long time since I've seen you. And so grateful that you're here and in my life. And um, so what it was like. <laughs> it was a nightmare so we'll get into that for sure i do have a sobriety date it's november 9th 1989 i'm forever grateful for that day um that i got the gift of sobriety that god um, with his grace struck me sober that day and i will get a chance to share about that but um my story goes all the way back uh uh, to my first memory when I was five, um, I was on the, the playground of uh, our preschool at the time and, um, and I was all alone swinging on a swing and looking up at the sky and it was all gray and everybody else was inside and I felt all alone and I have no idea where that, where that feeling came from, but I felt like, you know, the aliens had dropped me on the planet. <laughs> Nobody could relate to me. I mean, at five, come on. Um, so it just went downhill from there. <laughs> um, and um, I grew up in Mission Viejo. I made the long trek when my mom passed from Mission Viejo to Aliso Viejo. <laughs> but um, I grew up in Mission Viejo. I grew up with um, a family. I have an older sister. She's three years older. Um, she is not alcoholic. She has some kind of weird ism. <laughs> mental illness I'm sure <laughs> no but um, my, I have an older sister and I grew up in um, this little community called the Dean Homes off of La Paz and um, I um, I was adopted I don't think that that makes me an alcoholic but I will tell you when I found out I was adopted um, things did change in the way that I, I viewed life. Um, and so uh, my mom and dad uh, came from um, East LA. And so we would go, we had family up in East LA. So we would go up there for family functions and such. But um, my dad, he worked for a home builder. He had, uh, his pride and joy was this uh, red 911S Porsche. Super cool, had no seat belts, you know, it's back in the day, you don't have to have seat belts and stuff. And, and uh, they would have parties at the house, and uh, he built his own bar downstairs. We lived in a tri level, and he built his own bar. I'm so grateful for that bar when I <laughs> found the bottle. I will tell you why I'm grateful for that bar because. Uh, drugs are really not a part of my story because I had no problem. When you live in a bar, you know, live in a house <laughs> that has a bar, hey, you get all the booze that you want from there, you know? So I never, 
um, had to get, you know, go out and get booze, booze. I was the one that brought the booze, you know, because we always have booze in the house. More to come on that as well. Um, so uh, I took my first drink. Well, I, I say I took my first drink when I was about 13, but I think I took drinks before that because I was, I was the kid that when my parents had a party, you know, and, and there was like, you know, stuff left in there, I'd be you know, taking little sips out of that, finishing the drink off, right? Who would leave a half a drink there, you know? So uh, I, would, I would just be a, you know, good custodian and take care of that for And clean up, oh, I'll help you clean up, sure. Like, oh, but they got a bunch of empties here. I don't know. So anyway, um, but when, when I recall drinking, um, I always say I, I started drinking when I was about 13 years old. And from the gate, I drank hard and fast. I was there to purposely check out. I was there to drink to oblivion. That's how I drank. I mean, my friends would literally go, slow down there, you know? I mean, you know, if we were like three of us and we were pulling off a bottle, you know, I'd just be like, you know? And um, I wanted, when I found alcohol, I, I, the job was to just get it down as fast as I could so I could black out, pass out, just escape, escape this. Um, escape this, escape what I was feeling, escape, uh, the feelings that I had inside. Um, I was just somebody that really didn't feel connected, a part of, um, abandoned, and you know all that other <laughs> stuff piling on there. You know that I would, I would go ahead and, and use as my a reason to drink, and and I drank alcoholically, uh, really from the gate. Um, and you know what, um, you know, they say in the book, in a, in a great literature that alcohol is but a symptom, right? I will tell you alcoholically what, what I acted like as a kid. So we had, um, we had a nanny that took care of us and she would make these uh, peanut butter, uh, peanut butter, she made these butter sandwiches two pieces of Weber bread, and then she would just spread on, you know, some butter and we would eat them. And I love these butter sandwiches so well <laughs> that when I made it, this is how I made it, a cube of butter between two pieces of bread and I just smashed it together. Now that wasn't as good, <laughs> but like my alcoholic mind is more is better, right? So I just thought like, oh, I'll make a better sandwich than she can, you know, and <laughs> I'll just go ahead and just put a whole cube because if, if the spread's good, cube's better, right? So, um, so I drank um, just like that and people would, all my friends, they would say, slow down, Mary, you know, you don't have to drink like that, you know, because I had a wonderful wonderful group of friends that would just enable me. They'd always take care of me. They'd pull my hair back when I was puking, you know, they would take care of me when I was urinating on myself. <laughs> that one's for Steve. Um, <laughs> because he did last week. Um, so, um, I drank until 
I got my license. The day I got my license, I got pulled over for drunk driving. That day, <laughs> on my birthday, I got pulled over for drunk driving. So I went and got my license. I was home alone. And my, my older sister, uh, her boyfriend was having a party down in San Clemente. So I picked up my friend and we drove down there and um, my dad stocked his bar with hard liquor. So I just drank hard liquor. I mean, I wouldn't even like really have much mixers. I would just drink hard liquor. And um, <clears throat> so I'm out there in my stick shift Chevy Chevette and um, <laughs> me and my friend Nadine God bless Nadine for going with me. So we went down there to the party and they had a keg in the back. Now I didn't drink beer, so I couldn't drink the keg of beer. And then they had a bottle of Jose Cuervo and they had a bottle of Jack Daniels with no mixers. And then they had, you know, the, the beer cups. And so I got those two and put them both together. Oh create my own mixer, you know, and drank that down. And then, I don't know even how long it was from there, but they said, um, they said, oh, the cops are coming, you know, you need to go. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna leave. And my, and my sister's boyfriend, they're like, no, just stay, you're, you're you know, you're fine, you're, you're okay. Like, no, I got my license, I'm gonna leave. And, and uh, <laughs> So I get in the car and I leave and um, I don't remember where the house was. And I go through a stop sign and all of a sudden the red lights came on just like that. And I'm like, and as I'm going through the stop sign, I kind of like um, sobered up and I'm like, oh, I gotta drive better, you know, like. I realized <laughs> I just went through a stop sign, you know, but the lights went on and all of a sudden liquor had a way of, of really um, making me believe that I was fantastically sexy. <laughs> and, um, and so I get out of the car and I'm like, hey, let's make a deal, you know? So, you know, let's talk about this. And he's like, you disgusting. And, um, and I'm like, hey, do you want to see my license? You know, I pull out a piece of paper. Hey, you want to see my license? Yeah, I got it today. <laughs> <laughs> got, um, they, they attempted to give me a field sobriety test, which I did not pass. And so he's like, throw your keys in. We're taking you up to the substation. And I, like literally until about maybe... 15 years ago, I didn't even know where that substation was, you know, for forever, I didn't know where it was. And um, they threw me and, and my, my friend in the back of the, of the cop car. And um, right about then, I don't know if it was Jose or Jack, but <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we're not having any of this, we're coming up. <laughs> so I ended up puking in the back of that cop car and um, the then I was went from you know all sexy and, and pretty to all what is it? you know and I was all snotty and s s 
slobbering and um, the the cop, I was just like, you know, putting my head like, oh, you know, oh my life is so terrible. Giving him the sob story. And <clears throat> so he said, you know, I feel sorry for you. I'm going to give you a $32 run in the stop sign ticket. And that's what my first encounter, this is a long time ago. <laughs> I would not do that today. But this is this is what's my first encounter with uh, drunk driving. So um, it just proceeded from there. Unfortunately, um, six months later, I was in my 911s Porsche on the Guna Canyon Road. I don't remember how much I drank that day. Um, it was in the day. But um, before the, the 73 was there, there was like this little ravine and there was like this area that was like a kind of like a lake. And uh, what, what I was determined to do was drive off that ravine and drive the car right into, the, into that lake there. And um, instead um, at El Toro and Laguna Canyon right there, there was all these accidents that were happening because the signals weren't right you know and um so sure enough i got hit um by it by a guy and um people that were behind me and stuff said that it wasn't my fault you know they witnessed that it wasn't my fault because i was like going through the signal and might have been like yellow or something but um but the guy hit me and um he took the car door, slammed into the side car door, and it went from there and it stopped right at the stick shift. And um, the, it blew out the, the uh, front window. I hit my head on the steering wheel. I bit down on my tongue and almost uh, bit all the way through my tongue. And of course, my dad didn't have seatbelts in there because he said if I'm gonna die in this car you know if, I, if I'm gonna die driving this car you know I don't want you know seatbelts I don't want to survive it and so um and if I had had a passenger in that car they would have definitely been, been dead for sure and um so I had this big goose egg and just blood rushing down and uh, paramedics came and and they said, have you been drinking? And I don't know why they didn't smell alcohol, but I said, no. And well, that's what you're supposed to say. So I did, you know, like, no, I'm drinking. And they're like, uh, they're like, why are you talking funny? And I'm like, I bit down on my tongue. And then they could see just as like gushing blood, like, and they're like, oh, okay. Like, didn't give me any test, didn't run my blood, didn't take my blood, nothing. And uh, so my folks met me at the hospital and my dad was like, oh, thank goodness you're alive. And then after he saw his car, he wanted to kill me. <laughs> that was his baby. He had that baby before he had me. So um, that poor baby. Um, <laughs> yep. So um I didn't stop drinking and driving. Um, I, uh, when I drank, I had to go there, wherever there was. 
And um, I had, I would go to friends' parties and, and as soon as I walked in the door, okay, Mary, hand over the keys. They always knew, you know, so I would get there for a little while and then I'd have to go. I'd have to drive somewhere. And, and um, <clears throat> so um, fast forward to uh, now I'm 20. I do graduate high school, believe it or not. Uh, my mom had to come in and, and sign some uh, notices because I didn't actually um, meet the um, hour requirement. I was there quite a bit. <laughs> and so she had to kind of just like write notes and, and they told her to, and she's like, <sighs> and um, so I, I did graduate. And, um, and in March of, um, it was 1995, 90, not 90, 85. Um, I was celebrating a friend's 21st birthday <clears throat> and it was at a little place called Mr. J's, um, in, off of the 55 freeway. And, uh, now by this time I was driving a, um, a station wagon with the panels, you know, I was like, this boat will save my daughter, you know, it's like a tank, you know, this will save her, you know, from herself, of course. Um, so um, we started the party early at about 11 o'clock and um, which meant I was probably drinking at 10, 9, 8 in the morning, which I never had a problem drinking in, in the morning. And um, so when I got there, of course, I was just already, you know, three sheets in and, um, and I got tired of that party about two o'clock in the afternoon and wanted to go somewhere else. And, and so I, uh, I got in my car and they're like, no, Mary, you're not driving, you know, and so they're trying to like stop me from going and I'm still going. And they get into their car and uh, 55. Um, I think somebody's unmuted. Uh, so I would go 55 and I head to the 405, but I head north and I live south. Um, and so they're trying to, you know, kind of trying to stop me. And I'm like, I'll, I'll lose these guys, which I did. And from two o'clock till uh, eight that evening, I have no idea where I went, who I saw, what I did. I drove in a blackout that whole entire time. They came out of the blackout in Dana Point off of Selva. And I felt like my brakes were going out. And um, so I turned the car into the mobile station. Yeah, Steve knows this story very well. <laughs> and I turned it into the mobile station and uh, there was a guy that was pumping gas. He was in a van and I pushed, I ran into him, into the car and pushed the car against the mobile station. And um, my car was just bang up. I mean, my wheel was sideways. The car was just you know, a wreck and he's banging on my car and he's like, get out, we're calling the cops right now. I mean, like, you know, running to the 
where the payphone was in, inside the um, inside the gas station, and so um, uh, I said, "Okay, all right, you know, I'll, I'll go in there with you." And as soon as he got on the phone, <laughs> ran into the car trying to drive it away. You know, of course, the car can't drive at all. I mean, it's so the next thing was a ma'am, get out of the car. It was the cops. They came. And, and they didn't even give me a field of sobriety. They just said, we're going up to Orange County Jail. And um, and um, and this is just my story. This is what happened to me. Um, so if any of you have gotten the privilege to take a car ride in a cop car, you know, that they normally put you in the backseat. And they do that for good reason, because there's no handles back there. So I don't know why, but this cop decides not to do that. <laughs> he decides to put me in the front seat and he decides to put um, my handcuffs like this in front of me, not behind me. I don't know why he did that because I was this innocent young 20 year old, I guess. <laughs> and um, so we're driving up to, to uh, and we were in the fast lane. And at that time, I was really obsessed with this um, TV show called The Bionic Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Many of you don't know what that TV show is, but I was obsessed. I was obsessed with The Bionic Woman to the point that if I could have been the bionic woman, I would have been the bionic woman. And um, so liquored up, of course, I'm like, hey, maybe I'll try being the bionic woman. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so I get one hand out of that cuff and I reach for the door. And in my mind, I saw myself do this roll across the freeway and run up the embankment and get away. That's literally what I saw. And I got as far as the car door and the cop's like, what are you doing? Are you going to jump out of the car? I'm like, yeah. Like, Why not? So he proceeded to put a put my hand because he's pulled over, pulled my handcuffs behind me, threw me in the backseat. We went up to Orange County and um, I think they took blood. I mean, I guess I consented to it, whatever. Anyway, uh, it, was, um, it was when I, I got my DUI. And, um, and I'm forever grateful for finally getting a DUI because the DUI introduced me to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I had to get a court card signed. Um, I went to my first meeting. I don't even know how I found it. Uh, maybe, maybe the the guy that was in charge of like this. Um, there, there was a little program. I had to go see a counselor, and I think he recommended. He must have looked it up for me. But it was um, the first meeting I went to was Mission Viejo Missionaries Group on Oso and um, and Marguerite on the corner there, and. Um, there's a woman there and uh, she was the secretary. Her name was Lucia. And she said, you do not get these court cards till the end of the meeting. And the meeting was an hour and a half. And I 
was like, oh, this is a little ridiculous. <laughs> but I was 20 years old and I wasn't smart enough to sign my own court card. And uh, so I'd sit there and I'd listen and I don't really remember hearing anything. Um, and so I did everything that they told me. I did not drive. Uh, there was a period of time when I, you know, my license was revoked and I didn't drive during that time. I never like, you know, even snuck out and did that, which I don't know why I didn't do that either. You know, um, <clears throat> I went to all the meetings that they told me to do. I did everything in the order that they asked me to do. And um, with no intention of staying sober either. It was just, just trying to be obedient to what they're asking me to do. And so um, at that meeting though, something happened. Um, there was a woman that was at that meeting, at that Wednesday night meeting. Her name was uh, Patty O. Um, and uh, she wrote her name and her phone number on um, the directory. And the directories back then were this big. <laughs> There's like five pages and it was this big. And I held on to that. And I have that uh, directory to this day. And I never called the number. And, uh, and, and Patty and I shared a meeting for years and years and years. And every time I took my birthday, I shared about that magical moment. Because for me, that was where the book talks about what we thought was a flimsy read turned out to be the hand of God. And that's what she did. She extended the hand of God out to me. And even though I never called that number, I held on to it as if at any moment I could. And, um, and so, you know, as soon as I got all done with everything, um, I got pulled over. I still, you know, after, after everything, I still drank and I still drove. Um, the last time I got pulled over, uh, I was just almost at the point where um, I was going to come off of probation. I was driving a Hyundai. I had a, it's going to sound really bad, but I had a mattress in the back <laughs> <laughs> that I was hauling. Okay. I was hauling it. Um, <laughs> So my view was obstructed and I, and I didn't have, my speedometer was broke and I was driving like, you know, I, over the speed limit and uh, I got pulled over and, um, and I had, you know, just gone to my happy hour right after because we used to drink on the job back then. It was like no big deal. They didn't have a, you know, they were like, okay, yeah, drink on the job. It's okay. You're doing your job. Okay. It's all right. <laughs> and, uh, and then we would drink after and then at lunchtime my staple for lunch was um, a long line of linen XT and a cup of soup just in case you know <laughs> and um, at clam jumper around the corner I, I worked in Fountain Valley at the time and um, so I got pulled over and um, and the officer said have you been drinking and I no, he said, have you been drinking? I said, yes. And he's like, how many drinks have you had? And I said, famous two drinks, you know. He's like, okay. And so he looked into my eyes and he, you know, had me do the flashlight thing. And he goes, I know that you've been drinking and I know that you're intoxicated, but I can't haul you in because you're passing whatever flashlight thing that they had, you know. And he's like, where do you live? And I'm like, I own the exit, you know. And it was the truth. I don't even 
next exit over. And he's like, do you know how fast you were going? I go, no, because my speedometer's broke. You know, I was like, you know how long I've been following you? No, because I got this mattress and I can't see, you know? <laughs> I'm not telling him all this, you know? Anyway, he said, get off, get off of the freeway and just go home and sleep it off. Again, this is just the way it was, you know, back then. And um, that was the last time I got over for drunk driving which I didn't get a drunk driving and um so shortly after that um my sobriety date I was at a church down in Capitol Beach it was um Calvary Chapel um I had been attending that church I, I, I kind of wanted to get sober um, and I wanted for God to, you know, just strike me sober. I didn't want to do anything about it. You know, um, I definitely was not going to come to AA for sure. That was a promise to myself. I wasn't going to come to AA and um, I'm sitting in this, um, Bible study on a Thursday night and the pastor at the end of his study says, I believe God wants to deliver people from drugs. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, thank God that's not me because I don't do drugs. <laughs> and that's really how I felt. I'm like, oh, I don't do drugs. And um, so then there was this long pause and he goes, and or alcohol. <laughs> oh my gosh that's me that's me and I really felt like there's just like this bright because I like got all you know perspiring and I got all hot I was like it felt like this like big bright beam of light was shining on me and so I'm like this is it this is it I was 24 years old I was completely just tired like my bones were tired my inside was just exhausted and I couldn't do it anymore I'm like oh that's me you know and I come on down we're gonna pray for you over here and, and um you know I had had many hours of prayer over me so I didn't think this was gonna work but I'm like okay um I said okay so as any good alcoholic, you know, I'm, I'm jockeying for somebody, you know, really, you know, the big spiritual gurus to pray over me. So I'm like moving my way over this way. And then they keep moving me over this way. And I keep on trying to move my way over this way. And they're like, no, stand over here. This guy's going to pray for, for you. And this guy that I had never seen at the church, he prayed this one simple prayer. And he says, from this day forward, you'll never drink again. And somehow on that day, one, I surrendered. And two, my faith attached to that prayer. And that has been a prayer that has stood true from this day. From that day to this day. I've not found it necessary to pick up a drink. I've wanted to. There's been a lot of life that has happened during that time since I've been sober. And uh, by God's grace, I was stuck, struck sober, and, uh, and this obsession was removed. 
the first miracle that happened was that very next day. Now, had I gotten to choose my sobriety date, I would have chosen 11-11 because on 11-10, my boyfriend at the time, it was his birthday. And so we would, and, and I worked with him. Of course, I wasn't his only girlfriend. He had many <laughs> girlfriends at our place of work, okay? But anyway, he was my boyfriend. And, um, and we, we, we went to Sophie Sullivan's for lunch. And, and we were allowed to drink at lunchtime. So, you know, they would say, okay, Mary, get, let, let's get this party started. What are you going to have? You know, and my drink of choice was always tequila shots or Long Island iced teas. And, uh, and that day I said, I'll have a Coke. It was the first miracle that I didn't. Because like nobody knew I surrendered. Nobody at the job. I wasn't accountable to anybody. I mean, I don't know why I said that, but I did. So that was the first miracle that happened. And, and it took me three months to come back to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was trying to do this like quasi church, semi AA, I don't know what it was <laughs> called, but it was a group. And what, what would happen was they would go back and drink. And I go, what are you doing? You're not supposed to drink. And they're like, oh yeah, we drank. And I'm like, what? You're not supposed to. And, and um, <laughs> so finally I found my way back to Alcoholics Anonymous and um, I went back to that Wednesday night meeting. And um, I will tell you that um, alcohol, I, I love AA. I love AA. AA has been the single most significant thing that has happened to me. And um, it's because of when I had that, that, that dream, of, I'm not that dream, when I had uh, that, that memory of being all alone and isolated, I have found people that are like me here, that, that get me, that, um, that walk with me through so much of my life and um, that we have experiences together that, uh, that I don't have to do anything alone anymore. And um, it's just been such a beautiful journey for me. Um, if you are new, what we have to offer is hope. That if I can do it, surely you can do it. And the way that we do it is one, we do it together. We do it through the steps and through the traditions. We share our experience, strength, and hope to say that you're no longer alone and, um, and that there is one that has all power. And it, it, it is no human power for me. And that's what I found here. And um, I will tell you that uh, I lost my dad. My, my dad passed away in 2000. My, my, my friend Steve remembers that. Um, and I lost my mom in 2005. The uh, two hugest significant shifts that happened in my sobriety, other than reuniting with my two boys that I gave up for adoption, was when I was at six years sober, I was trying to figure out a way to stop doing AA without stop doing AA. So the least amount I could get away with, right? 
without picking up a drink. So I was going to a meeting a week, that Wednesday night meeting still. Um, God uh, put in front of me a newcomer who is my best friend, Sheila. And we've been running this deal together for the past 25 years. And, um, and in 2005, when my mom passed away, um, Sheila introduced me to my room, my now roommate, Diana, who was a newcomer at the time. And it was exactly what I knew I didn't need, right? Because I was having to deal with the, what was me and my mom just passed and um, it was exactly what I needed. And um, those two ladies have really made such a significant shift that um, I can practice my primary purpose, which is to stay sober and help another alcoholic. And um, I wanna thank my friends for coming out and hearing my story and, and sharing my life with me. And um, today, one of the most significant things that I get to do, whether I sponsor the woman or not, is, is just to go through the steps and, and the spiritual principles behind the steps. And um, they had in the daily reflections today, it was talking about that we're not a glum lot. And, um, and I held on to that, uh, to that page for, for a long time, one, 133. And then I graduated to page 134 where, where God, God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And through this program, that is what I found my life to be, happy, joyous, and free. So thank you for allowing me to share with you.